This sermon is titled My Mind Part 3 Temptations Addictions Deceptions Be enriched as you listen We've been doing this series on our mind and uh, this is our part 3 uh, in the sermon series we're dealing with different aspects of our minds and uh, learning what the bible is telling us the bible teaches us on how we can have our minds in a place of strength and of course do the will of god uh, with with a sound mind today we're going to deal with another aspect which i think is so relevant to all of us and it's an area that we all need to learn to overcome and walk in victory we're going to talk about temptations addictions and deceptions We all face all of us face temptations in our mind uh, we face temptations and then there are addictions and deceptions we'll deal with that now let's begin with some basic definitions by temptations we're meaning any inducement to sin that's a temptation it's an inducement to do something wrong something that's displeasing to god something that's not honorable before god something that's not right Now if we continue in that sooner or later we're going to end up with being addicted to that if we keep on giving in to those temptations so when we say addictions we're talking about a compulsion to do something wrong so we've gone beyond beyond just facing a temptation we're now in a place where it's like a compulsion you are we have to do it it's controlled by it. in a place of addiction now deception is very strange because in deception we end up calling the truth a lie and the lie as truth and that's deception we've been deceived like we're thinking ulta <laughs> we're thinking upside down you know we're calling the truth as a lie we're calling the lie as truth and we end up being deceived how does this happen and how do we guard ourselves against such things is what we want to discover from god's word today now i want us to understand the importance of this in first peter chapter 2 verse 11 first peter chapter 2 verse 11 peter tells us you know he says as pilgrims as strangers and pilgrims abstain or stay away from fleshly lusts that means these ungodly desires of the flesh stay away from fleshly lusts because they war against the soul so what's the problem the problem in giving in to these wrong desires and giving in to these temptations is we are creating conflict against our own soul our mind our will our emotions we're creating conflict um, you know we're creating our own enemies so to speak we're creating our own conflicts because fleshly lust war against the soul so i'm because i'm having trouble with my emotions i'm having trouble in my mind i'm having problems in my mind my emotions okay one of the things we need to look at is are we giving in to fleshly lust because fleshly lust war against our own so that could be the root of the problem somebody is facing 
in their soul, in their mind, their will, their emotions. You got to look there. You know, and you can understand this if, if somebody, and we will talk more about this, if somebody's, you know, given into pornography, and I've met some young people, they come and sat before me, and I, you know, and shared their, said, look, this is my problem. And consequently, it's impacting other areas of life. Can't concentrate on my studies, can't concentrate on work. But what's the root cause? It's not like they, have, they don't have the skills or the acumen. It's just that there are fleshly lusts that are held them, which have cre- is creating so much conflict in their soul, in their mind, their will, their emotions, that they can't concentrate at work or perform well at work because of that. So that's the problem. We've we got to address that, those, those fleshly lusts. So let's understand the process of temptation. How does temptation happen? Let's go to James chapter 1. Verses 13 through 16, please. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. James says here, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So look at this carefully. The Bible's telling us, let no one say when he's tempted, God's tempting me. Because God is not interested in tempting anybody with evil, and God himself cannot be tempted with evil. So don't blame God. He ends up this set of verses by saying, do not be deceived, my brethren. Now, don't deceive yourself blaming God. God is tempting me. You know, so God made me do it. God didn't make you do it. <laughs> don't blame God. But this is what is happening. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. So it's your desires at work. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. So you're drawn. That Greek, the word drawn in the Greek is quite an interesting picture. It has the picture of, you know, alluring some animal out of their place of hiding. So the animal comes out and then the hunter can shoot. Meaning you're drawn, you're brought, brought out of your safe hiding. You're brought out of your place of safety by your own desires. Your own desires are drawing you out. Your own desires are making you vulnerable to this. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. And enticed. Enticed means your will is weakened. That means there's no more strength to say no. Enticed. The will is weakened. The will to resist is weakened. And when desire, when sin has conceived, that word conceived, sometimes in the English we only we think about conception as in birth, but the Greek has a different meaning. It actually means captured, trapped. And it also means, it has, you know, some words have double meaning, so this word has a double meaning. It also means conception as in birth, but the context should have been captured. So we are drawn enticed, and then captured. Are you seeing the sequence? 
drawn by our own desires, enticed, and then captured. So that's how this temptation works. We are drawn by our own desires. So now, what does the devil do? He can only play on our desires. What does the world do? The world can pull on our desires. So that's why those of you in marketing, advertising, <laughs> you know the game, right? You got to play on people's desires. Pull on their desires. So that's the world, the attractions of the world, the influences of the world. What do they do? They, they pull on our desires. The devil can play on our desires. But that's the playground. Every man is tempted when he's drawn by his own desires. And when that has enticed, when it weakens our will, then we are captured. So, if you think about the enemy's strategy, Satan's tactics, and we'll just look at a few. Temptations, accusations, and deceptions. Three main tactics of the devil. Temptations. The Bible calls him a tempter. That's his, one of his names, tempter. As a tempter, all he can do is play on our desires. He can't force us. He, he's not God. Like he can't control our will, but he can play on our will. That's what he does as a tempter. He's also called the accuser of the brethren. So that's another tactic. He accuses us. Accusing us makes us feel weak, worthless. And so it cripples us. And he tells us you're good for nothing. God doesn't love you. God's mad at you. You, you know, God is... God is upset with you. God doesn't love you. God forgot you. Whatever. You know, all kinds of uh, accusations making us feel bad, cripple us. But you know, the truth of the matter is that on the cross, Jesus removed every accusation against you. You don't even have to show up in court because your court case was settled 2,000 years ago. And John 16, 11 says the verdict was passed 2,000 years ago. And Satan was on the receiving end of the verdict. John 16, 11, he was condemned 2,000 years ago. What business do you have showing up in the courts of heaven to defend a case that was settled 2,000 years ago? Don't waste your time. Are you listening? But that's the accuser of the brethren. He comes to accuse us wrongly. All you have to know is know the truth. Satan, my case was settled 2,000 years ago. Every decree against me was dealt then. You're 2,000 years too late with your accusations. <laughs> but most believers receive the accusations and they feel crippled. But that's number three, deception. Deception is he tries to make us believe a truth is a lie and a lie as truth. Tries to turn around. And many of these deceptions are just questioning the word. Like in the Garden of Eden, did God really say? 
No, 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 he didn't mean that. He didn't really mean when he says he loves you. He loves your grandfather. He loves your mother. They're very prayerful people. But look at you. How can he love you? All those kinds of things. Right? Deceptions. Now, how does the devil do this? How does he tempt us or bring his accusations to us or present his deceptions to us? We need to understand how the enemy tempts us. How does he work? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the apostle Paul writes, he says, you know, lest Satan, let's read it, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. See, if we are ignorant, the enemy takes advantage. But we don't have to be because we've got the word. The word exposes everything, reveals everything to us. So he says, let's not let the devil take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. We know how he operates. So one of the ways to learn, one of the things that I want us to understand today is how he brings his temptations, accusations to us. And how do we counter that? The best way to understand that is to look at how he tried to work against the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted. But he was without sin. But he was without sin. So let's think this through. Jesus was tempted in all points, in all areas, the way you and I are tempted. Question, how does the devil tempt you? Does he show up in a black suit with two black horns and a pitchfork and say, hello, I'm Mr. D. Evil, here to tempt you? Does he appear like that? No, Mr. D. Evil doesn't show up. How does he tempt you and me? The Bible says, Jesus was tempted the same way we are tempted. Same approach. So we need to look, how did he tempt Jesus? So we look at one case study, which is recorded for us in the Gospels, which is when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. We know he fasted 40 days. You'll have this recorded in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted, uh, fasting. And at the end of that period, he was tempted by the devil. Three recorded temptations for us. It doesn't mean he only faced three. He faced many. But these three are recorded for us to study and for us to understand. So here Jesus was, towards the end of his time of fasting. And the Bible says, Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you are the Son of God, turn, command these stones to become bread. See, he's hitting Jesus at, at this point of weakness at that moment. No food for 40 days. He's obviously ready to eat something. And he says, command these stones to be made bread. And Jesus responds, it is written, man will not live by bread alone. The next temptation. Now, how did Satan do this? Now, if you and I you know, have gone through Sunday school, we would probably be given this little, I don't know if they do it these days, I haven't been to school, Sunday school for a long time, but, you know, 
they would you'd be given a little picture you know, with Jesus there in the wilderness, and then there's this devil with a pitchfork and two horns, and you try to imagine him doing this. That's not the real picture. Why? Think about the next temptation. It says that the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, all these I will give to you if you'll only bow down and worship me. How did the devil do that? It says it took him to a, up to a high mountain, like a, a, a place, an elevated place. Where was Jesus? He was in the wilderness. Now, which mountain can you climb that you can see from Tokyo to San Francisco? So obviously it was not in the physical realm. It wasn't like the devil had a special flight <laughs> to take Jesus around and then, you know, in less than 60 seconds, I will show you all the kingdoms of the world. So if you imagine if it happened in our day, starting from all, you know, all the great cities of the world, show all the glamour, the gold, the wealth. How could the devil have done that? Or the next temptation, it says, he took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, jump from here. Because it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And the devil is quoting scriptures, pretty religious. But how did he put Jesus on top of the pinnacle? Jesus was in the wilderness. The answer is pretty simple. These temptations happened in the mind. They came as imaginations. You see, sitting right here, right now, you can do an instant trip. Tokyo, you're there. How about Delhi? No, no, let's not stay there too long. <laughs> London, <laughs> New York, San Francisco, Bengaluru, done. You made a world trip in an instant. Where? In your imagination. So, the point is this. The temptations of Jesus, that Jesus faced, happened the same way you and I face temptations, in the area of our minds. So really, Satan's temptations all happen in the mind. They come as thoughts, ideas, suggestions, imaginations, visuals. They come in the mind. So when the devil tempts us, he intercepts and interjects our own thought processes with these thoughts, with these ideas that come into the mind. Just like he did in the case of Jesus. Now, here's something for us to think through. Having this thought, okay, let me ask this. Did a bad thought come into the mind of Jesus? It can only be yes or no. <laughs> yes. These thoughts came into the mind of Jesus. He did have the thought. I mean, at that moment, he must have been looking at it. And the, the rocks suddenly took on bread form. And this, he may even have had the aroma coming. I don't know. I'm just imagining. Make these stones bread. In his mind. So these thoughts came into his mind, into his imagination. The point is this having a bad thought come into your mind is not sin. Think 
speaking evil is sin. Are you understanding? We can't prevent these thoughts, these thoughts of fear or evil, whatever. We can't prevent them from coming in. They will come and the devil will intercept and he will interject our own thought processes with his wrong thoughts. That's his scheme. That's his device. That's his fiery dart. We can't prevent them, but we don't have to think them. And we definitely don't need to act on them. You see, the devil has no idea whether you've received this thought unless you do one of two things. Unless you speak it or you act it. So the thought comes, don't speak it, don't take it. Don't act it, don't do it. Are you listening? So these thoughts came to the mind of Jesus, but he didn't accept them. Because his mind was holy ground, consecrated to the Father. And your mind and my mind, at the very beginning of the series, we said, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. So God is making our soul a holy ground. And when these evil thoughts come, these unclean imaginations are thrown to us, we don't have to accept them. We don't have to accept them. So, how do we keep our mind safe from these thoughts. Well, let me back up. One more point we need to understand. There are three realms of desires, three realms of desires, and the Bible brings us out in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world. Let's read it. Love not the world, neither, neither things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, Verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So three realms, lust of the flesh, the evil desires of the body, evil desires, lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, things that where our eyes are, our visual pictures are engaged. And... The pride of life, the self-dependence, the, you know, the self-reliance. I don't need God, I can do it myself. Pride of life. Three realms in which we face temptations. And we see that in the case of Jesus. Make the stones bread, lust of the flesh. All the kingdoms of the world, lust of the eyes. And jump from the pinnacle, pride of life. See, Superman. All three realms, he was tempted. So, how do we keep our minds safe against these temptations of the enemy? How do we do that? How do we overcome these temptations and break addictions and guard against these deceptions? What I want to do today is use the word SAFE, S-A-F-E, as an acronym, just to tell us how to use the word to deal with this. So S, so all, it all has to do with the Word of God. S is to speak the Word. Speak the Word. A, act the Word. F, focus on the Word. E, examine considering the Word. Right? S, A, F, E. Everything has to do with the Word of God. 
Speak the word. Act the word. Focus on the word. And examine the word. Let's explain this. So we know, first one, speak the word. We saw the temptation of Jesus. Every time he was tempted, he did only one thing. He said, it is written. Or if you want to put it in a simple way, he said, the Bible says. At that time, he only had the Old Testament. He didn't have the New. And he quoted from the Old Testament. So every time a temptation came, he simply said, the, the Bible, it is written. The Bible says. And the New Testament teaches you and me to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Use the same word. Old Testament, you don't argue. Old Testament, the same God spoke both times. <laughs> you know, sometimes people argue, oh, only Old Testament, only New Testament. It's the word of God. Use it. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. What did Jesus do? When a temptation came, he used the corresponding scripture and he spoke that. That's what he did. And that's what you and I must practice. When a thought comes, an idea comes, a wrong imagination comes, and you know, we will be dealing in a, in a future uh, service on negative thoughts, you know, fear and worry and anxiety and depression, all those things. We'll deal with that. Now we talk about temptation. So when a thought, or, or, or a tempting thought, a thought inducing you to sin, or intending to pull you into some addictive behavior pattern, or a deceiving thought, a wrong thought, a lying thought comes to your mind, what must you and I do? Bring to our mind a corresponding scripture to counter that thought. Are you with me? Now, please allow me to do a little promo. We have something called All People's Church Bangalore Church App. In the church app, there's a section called Faith on, on Toolkit Faith Builders. Over there, we've listed scripture, scriptures on every top, not every, but many topics, A to Z. So you say, well, I don't know the scripture. I'm, I'm facing temptation in this area. How do I find other scriptures? Go there. Search app. It's already listed there. Most likely, you'll find something that, you know, that your, your topic is most likely covered there. And you'll find scriptures listed for you. It's called Toolkit. Use it. So, Jesus spoke a scripture, a single scripture. Can you imagine? He quoted only one scripture, the devil shut up. Just one verse. He said, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Go ahead. See, to try another area. So, think about this. Jesus used the scriptures. To counter what the devil was doing. So you and I must do the same thing. Are you listening? Now, ladies, please close your ears. I'm going to talk to the men for a few minutes. Then you can ask them, wives, you can ask your husband at home. What did pastor say for those five minutes? Right? So, men. Now, ladies, you can use a similar approach, okay? I, I, I'm speaking to men. So, men, let's talk about women. You know, you look at a woman and she's beautiful. Her beauty hits your eye. And 
at that moment, if you're not careful, your thoughts begin to wander. Don't look at me like angels. We're all humans, right? <laughs> and if you're not careful, your thoughts can go off into fantasy land. So at that moment, what do you do? Now, there's nothing wrong with admiring beauty. God created beauty to be admired, but not to be lusted after. So there's a difference. You appreciate beauty. The moment you start lusting, you're in sin. So how do you protect your mind? Well, you need the word of God. Proverbs chapter 6. It's in the sermon notes, so please use it. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 25. And you personalize it. You say it like this. I will not lust after her beauty in my heart. Neither will I let her take me with her eyelids. Proverbs 31 verse 3. I will not give my strength to women, nor my ways to that which destroys kings. Job 31 verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes, so I will not look lustfully on a woman. Matthew 5 verse 28. I will not lust after her, neither commit adultery in my heart with her. So how do you know all these scriptures? Because I also fight the same battles. Amen? So what do you do? You have to have the word of God. Think about pornography. You want to read the news, so you go take the newspaper. And the advertisers know what hits men. So they put scantily clothed women. Don't imagine that. <laughs> they put scantily clothed women on the newspaper. Friend cover! Or if it is on, you know, on social media or on YouTube, you, you want to listen to Harvard Business Review, something very, very intelligent, and then right next to it, something else comes up. Or you want to listen to a sermon. <laughs> and then right next to it comes, is a video that's presented that's just, just off in something. So, it's everywhere. What do you do? The word. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. I will stay away from all appearance of evil. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set no unclean thing, no evil thing before my eyes. And First Thessalonians 5, 23. The God of peace himself sanctifies me completely. My mind, my emotions, my thoughts are holy. Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever things are true, pure, holy, noble, I will only think on such things. Like you, the many scriptures. But the point is, when that thought, that idea, whether it's from the devil or from the world, hits your mind, in order for you to resist that temptation, you need to use the word of God. A scripture that counters that thought, that idea, that imagine. I've just used two examples. One, uh, you know, for women, uh, lusting after women. I've used one against pornography. But then you need to be prepared with various areas. Whatever area you're facing that battle, you need to have the word of God. And women, now you can open your ears. Same thing. Whatever I told the men, you have to do. 
Are you listening? Come on, women. (laughs) We've got to use the word of God as our weapon to counter that thought. When a thought of fear comes, God has not given me a spirit of fear. So you, you, need a, you need the scripture, you need the word of God that counters that particular thought, that counters that particular imagination in your mind and then speak it, say it if, whenever you can. You know, if you're by yourself, say it. At least bring it to your mind to counter that thought. Amen? Speak the word. Second, act the word. Means flip the page. Don't look at it. Act the word. What does the word say? The word, you know, act in line with the word. Don't act in line with that thought. See, the enemy can only plant the thought. He can only throw that idea. He can only put in that imagination. Don't accept it. Don't act in line with it. It will die unproductive. It will die unaccomplished. So, how do we act against that thought? Always act in line with the word of God. Do what the word says. And that's why we share the word, we teach the word, so that we can learn to live by the word of God all the time. Act according to what Christ has finished for you and me on the cross. Act aligned to who you are in Christ. That you are in Him. This is your identity. Act according to what the Holy Spirit empowers you to do. Act aligned to uh, you know, the Word of God. Go and pray because the Bible says you, know, you pray so that you overcome temptation. Right? So do what the Word says. Don't do according to that thought or that idea, that imagination. Don't do that. Act according to the word of God. You see, when you and I consistently act according to the word of God, we will never fall into any kind of addiction. Never. You'll not be addicted to anything. Why? Because you've been living by the word. There's no chance for you to fall, to become addicted to any evil thing. Are you listening? So act according to the word. Example. Suppose somebody has not treated you well. You're getting very upset, very angry. And you're thinking in your mind, now your you know, thoughts are coming, all these thoughts coming in your mind. This is the way I'm going to get back to him or her. You know, I'll do this, I will post this on social media, I will do this, I will send them this WhatsApp message, I'll send them this email, whatever, whatever. You know, your mind is overworking. You're going to do all these things. All these thoughts going through. And the devil, you know, is like feeding you more ideas, more schemes, your mind, revenge. How are you going to do it? And at that time, the Holy Spirit reminds you of the scripture. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. So while these Negative thoughts are coming in your mind to take revenge and thoughts of vengeance and all of that. At that time, the word of God counters those, those wrong thoughts. First step. But second, you must act in line with the word. 
So he picked up the phone. Hello, brother. God bless you. Inside you're like, oh, God. Please allow me to take vengeance one time. That's enough. Whatever. Doesn't matter how you're feeling. You have to act in line with the word. Do what the word says, whether you feel like it or not. Because we live by faith, not by feelings. Amen? So you do the word. The word says, overcome evil with good. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Sometimes we want to add to what God repays, but don't do that. Just leave it to God. Overcome evil with good. Do something good. Act the word. Amen? Third, focus on the word. Now, why is this important? Because whether we like it or not, the devil is very persistent. Very persistent. You, know, you overcame him yesterday, and you think you can take a break today. <laughs> He's back. Your break has not started. And he's back. The same temptation. So persistent. He doesn't quit. And he's not going to quit until everything is over. So, you and I have no choice but to stay focused on the Word of God. No choice. You won the battle yesterday. Great. But yesterday is behind you. Today, you still have to stand. Focus on the word. Sometimes the moments that we are most vulnerable are immediately after our greatest victories. You've just won a great victory. And you say, God, five minutes, I let my hair down. You don't know what that means? It's okay. (laughs) Five minutes, I just want to take, just relax Ah, that's your most vulnerable moment. Right after a great victory. So we are most vulnerable after our greatest victories or after our greatest disasters. Both extremes make us very vulnerable. And we have to be on guard in those moments. Because the devil is very persistent. He keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. And so we can never lose focus of the word of God. So always stay focused. You know, God told Joshua, don't turn from it to the right or to the left. No, just stay with it all the time. All the time. Stay with it. And lastly, examine everything considering God's word. God's word is truth. Thy word is truth. So whatever thought, whatever idea, how can you know, is it truth or not? You have to examine it with the word. If it aligns to the word of God, okay, you can accept it. Otherwise, be careful. The problem is, like we saw in the temptation of Jesus, the devil himself uses scripture. So this is very tough. He also uses scripture. Sometimes he knows the Bible better than us. <laughs> so he also uses scripture and then, That makes it even more confusing. And so you need to understand what is the whole counsel of God, the truth. And that's why we need to keep teaching the whole counsel of God so that we as God's people are aware of the truth and we can recognize that the enemy does try to twist the truth.
So examine everything, considering the word. Is this right? Is this what Jesus meant? Is this what the word says? Because otherwise, we can be deceived. We believe a lie as though it's a truth. We may believe, we may reject the truth thinking it's a lie. So, keep your mind safe. Speak the word. Act the word. Focus on the word. Examine everything according to the words. Keep your mind safe. Because both the devil and the world is just bombarding our minds with all kinds of things. And if we don't keep our minds safe, if we are so open-minded that every garbage comes in, our minds become a garbage dump. So don't be open-minded in the wrong sense. You got to guard your mind. Keep your mind safe. It's holy ground. It's your mind, which you want to keep in good health for your benefit and for the glory of God and to be a blessing to people. So, you need to keep your mind safe. Worship team, please come. Amen? So what I want to encourage you to do, in whatever area that you are having battles currently, and all of us will be facing battles in different areas of life. Whatever area. You say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Find three scriptures. Jesus needed only one. One is enough. But I'm just saying, let's do two better. Let's get three scriptures. On that area, write it down. So we need the Word of God. We need, we need it in our heart and in our mind. We need it inside us. Because, you know, we'd be walking around somewhere. You don't have a physical Bible in your hand. You may not be able to know where to go on your Bible app. But it's, so have it inside you. So memorize it. Or write it down. Keep reading it. Whatever era you are facing a battle right now, find three scriptures. Memorize it. Keep writing it down. Memorize it. And use it. Speak it. Act it. Focus on it. Examine everything in light of it. Think about that. Use the word of God. Against, to keep your mind safe against temptations, accusations, and deceptions. Keep your mind safe. Amen? Let's rise to our feet, please. Take a few moments just to worship God. Breakthrough, breakthrough all my doubts, breakthrough. 
Break through all my fears Break through that I may worship you Break through Break through all my pain Break through all my guilt and my shame Break through like only You are brighter than my darkest night Stronger than my toughest fight Just one touch from you, my King, my friend And I'll never be the same
Father, we just declare your word over your people. That each one of us, God, we are overcomers. Because you said in your word, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now I declare into each, of, each one's life, you're an overcomer. You overcome every temptation. You overcome every scheme of the enemy. You overcome every addiction. You are an overcomer. You are born of God. And you are an overcomer. The devil has no right over you, no claim over you, no place in you, no access to you. You are God's property. Your spirit, your soul, your body belong to God. Your mind, your emotions, your appetites, your affections, your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, they are consecrated to God. They belong to God. They are holy. And Father, we pray that if any of your children here, God, if they are struggling in any way, or if they have unknowingly got themselves entangled, today, let them be free. Today, because of your word, let the truth set them free. Let them walk out of this place completely free. Free. In the name of Jesus, to live as overcomers, to live as victors, to live above sin and every scheme of the enemy in their lives. So that, Lord, in our minds and our souls, we can be whole, doing well. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Father. And I declare. That nothing will control us, nothing will overpower us. Because we are overcomers. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to crucify the flesh, to crucify ungodly evil desires. We receive the strength of the Spirit to overcome, to walk victorious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of holiness. So grace every life with your presence, with your holiness. Let holiness adorn every house here, every temple here. Let the beauty of holiness cover each one here, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. The people will go out of this place completely free, chains broken, delivered by your word and your spirit, walking in victory, in holiness and purity. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, God. I want to take a moment just to call our life group leaders, our pastors, life group leaders, youth leaders. Can you come and stand here and just face the people? We'll take some time to pray. Uh, life group leaders, pastors, please come. Please stand here. Uh, just face the people. We want to give time just to pray and minister. Youth leaders, please come. If you're up in the balcony, just come. Please stand here. And we're going to have you pray for the people. We're going to sing. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift up our soul to an idol. Come, please come. Anyone else? Our youth leaders, our life group leaders, pastors. Anyone else? Come, please come. Please stand here. If you need prayer, you know, we want to make ourselves available just to pray with you. We are just making ourselves available. It's God who does the work. So if you need prayer this morning, feel free to come. You know, we're going to sing uh, and uh, just be available to minister to you. The Bible tells us that the anointing breaks the yoke and it removes burdens. There's something powerful about the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. What's a yoke? It's some, you know, it's something that's put upon your life that's controlling you. The anointing breaks it. And it removes burdens. Burdens are something heavy put upon you. It's, it's overwhelming you. But the anointing removes burdens. Burdens are lifted. The anointing, meaning the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, as our, come on, Sharon. As our youth leaders, pastors, life group leaders, pray. Anyone else in the crowd? Pastors, life group leaders, youth leaders, please come and stand here. You're going to pray for the people. Uh, just make yourself available. As you just go to anyone, they'll pray for you. It's not them. We are all earthen vessels. But it's the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. Meaning if there's some, a yoke on your life, something is really controlling you, say, Lord, I'm going to have one of these people pray. And I'm expecting the anointing to break the yoke. I want to, that thing over my life is going to be broken. And burden, some weight, some, something heavy on your life is going to be lifted. Okay? So what I'm going to do is we're going to sing. I'm going to do the benediction so that those who need to leave can be free to leave, be dismissed. But we're going to continue singing. We'll sing, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. We'll just sing softly. And those who want prayer. Now, this is not to make you feel ashamed, but this is a precious moment where somebody could pray for you and you will experience something powerful in your life. Okay, this is not to make you feel ashamed. You just come, receive prayer. Anybody can pray for you here. And I just say, Lord, when they pray for me, I believe the anointing will touch my life. Yokes will be broken, burdens will be removed. Is that okay? I will pronounce a benediction so that those who need to leave can quietly leave. You're welcome to fellowship outside. Just do that. But if you need prayer, take time. 
just to come to any one of them. They'll pray for you. Look to God. Let's sing that once and then I'll do the benediction. Give us clean hands. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face, oh God of Father, we just ask that there will be mighty deliverances taking place even as people are prayed and ministered to God. And yokes will be destroyed, burdens will be removed. So that God truly, we can be people with clean hands and pure hearts. Live that way, live victorious. Nothing controlling us, nothing overpowering us. Feel free to come forward for prayer. Just feel free to come. I'm just going to pronounce the benediction so those who need to leave can leave. If you need prayer, just come. Don't feel ashamed. Nobody's taking down your name or anything. Just come. Feel free to receive prayer. Go to anyone, anyone here, and they will pray for you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.